Welcome to another episode of On the Issues with Alain Ben-Mir. Today's guest is Donica Amini, Executive Director of the Civic Coast Platform, a cooperative of over 250 civil society organizations in Kosovo. In this episode, Alan and Donica discuss the relatively new administration of Eldon Kurti, including his handling of the coronavirus pandemic in Kosovo and his campaign pledges of reform. In addition, they discuss the status of the Kosovo-Serbia dialogue, international support for Kosovo, and the role of civil society in resolving these many issues. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I've been writing and talking about extensively on the situation in um, Kosovo, relations with uh, Serbia, relations with other Balkan states. And I'm delighted to have the opportunity today to further explore some of the issues in connection with Kosovo specifically. So I know there are a number of fronts the, the, the Kurti government is facing today. And one obviously is internal issues. And there's a plethora of issues internally that Kurti is going to have to face. And I don't know to what extent he made any progress at, at this point, if any. Uh, the other issues, of course, in relations with the EU, uh, which is, uh, like you just mentioned earlier, uh, is not going uh, rather s slow process, very slow process. And the third one is in connection with Serbia, uh, which is the biggest problem that uh, your country that is Kosovo is facing. And of course, there's a forefront relation with the United States. So when we look at this, all of these issues combined, obviously, Kurti's job is not easy. Well, let us begin in terms of, at one point, Kurti, when he was, after he was, um, he formed the government, he said that as far as he's concerned, the relation, the, the, the conflict with Serbia could be put in the back burner. This is not something that we have to address at this juncture. What's your take on that particular statement? And what does he really think will happen on the other fronts, which are directly connected to the relations with Serbia in terms of the EU integration, relations with the United States, and certainly the impact of that on Kosovo's uh, internal uh, affairs. Um, thanks for having me first. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we just established a new government. It has been uh, quite an eventful year, let's say. In addition to the COVID-19 pandemic, we have gone from one political crisis to another. Kosovo uh, is facing a multi-frontal crisis, being the COVID-19 pandemic, but also the economic uh, um, the impact that it had in, in an already underdeveloped healthcare system, but also a weak economy. And uh, Kurti took over the office one year after he was ousted, his government was ousted. So uh, it has been quite a lot of things that have happened uh, during one year in Kosovo. Now, uh, of course, Kurti knows that he is uh, pressured, pressured being for uh, the fact that there are a lot of expectations towards him internally. Uh, he came to power and he was given 51%. Uh, and in Kosovo, we thought this is impossible. Uh, uh, out of 28 political parties, he received 51%. Of course, in coalition with Vyosas Mani, because the duo sort of... Uh, ran on the reformist ticket, uh, and but you know all this supports come with responsibility. Uh, 
so what has happened in the tw- past 20 years, basically people have the expectations that QWERTY will fix in a very short period of time. And we are here talking about a state capture, deep level of state capture, and the the, the uh, issues that he's going to face in, in changing the entire system and, and delivering on the reforms that will, of course, then uh, have a, a positive impact in the EU integration process. So right, right. facing all these crises internally, for instance, Kurti, when coming to power, he somehow created the perception, the narrative, that the dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia is not important. And it was very interesting because it was exactly the dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia and the events around it that actually uh, brought him down in 2020. I mean, if you recall the events in 2020, it was exactly the pressure of the DC agreement and and his uh, uh, lack of political willingness to actually cooperate with Saatchi, Vucic uh, and Grinnell to actually go through with the agreement. So uh, it was quite of interesting that he created that narrative internally. And, and also people uh, now actually are sort of surprised that, you know, for an issue that is not a priority, within 50 days of his existence in the government, he actually visited Brussels twice. Uh, yes, so meaning yes. that, you know, uh, there is a lot of pressure for him, but also it's out of necessity to resume a process that has been sort of on hold since 2018. And then also, like, uh, here I'm excluding the six-month period during uh, the Houthi government in which he basically agreed on, on some specific points uh, in the auspicious of the EU facility dialogue. So, uh, I mean, there have been many theories on why Kurti is creating this perception that dialogue is not important for him. First is to uh, strengthen his negotiation positioning, because in the past two years, uh, since 2018, a lot of things have happened. And, and uh, uh, of course, Kosovo has been sort of traditionally especially in the framework of the EU facilitated dialogue, sort of uh, treated as the weaker party in the process. And in Kosovo, there was a perception that there is a symmetrical approach towards uh, of the EU towards Kosovo and Serbia. And this is natural in a way, because for, for the EU, Brussels and the member states, Serbia is a country, a state that is recognized and has advanced in the EU integration process. And Kosovo is still struggling with five non-recognizers and also the complexities of it basically uh, uh, navigating around Brussels uh, without the five uh, countries that haven't you know, recognize Kosovo. So, so let me, let me, let's go back in a number of, I'd like to mention five countries within the EU that have not recognized Kosovo. To a certain extent, of course, this was a certain impediment in terms of the progress in connection with the integration. But uh, he's been in power now for 50 days. Mm -hmm. We have a tradition here in the United States of what the president can achieve in the first 100 days. Uh, Now he's got only half of that so far. Mm -hmm. Let's let's just, uh, from your perspective, has he been achieved something tangible that you can point out Here, what he's done in his first 50 days, just briefly, anything we can point out to and say, this is something that he's been able to accomplish. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, technically, uh, the people he appointed as ministers, especially the Ministry of Justice, has been quite effective. Uh, they, because uh, I guess, you know, uh, his reformist agenda was there and the rule of law is the key of his program, but also what he promised during the elections campaign. Uh, so in terms of that, there are some decisions that the Minister of Justice has taken with the confiscation of illegal uh, uh, possessions and all. Yes. Uh, then there are some other minor decisions that the, the, the government has taken. Just yesterday, we had the MFA basically uh, uh, dismissing 11 ambassadors politically appointed by the formal uh, former mm-hmm. ruling elite, uh, which has been causing backlashes in Kosovo because uh, for the opposition, this has been considered a, a vengeful effect, uh, act. But for, for the government of Kosovo, current government and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, basically it is uh, being done in the function of uh, implementing the new program that the MFA has, for instance. Uh, just yesterday also, the MFA has started preparing, but also in, in line with the Ministry of Local governance administration preparing Kosovo to apply for membership in in one of you know this uh, multilateral mechanisms which is part of of uh, the moratorium actually the government uh, the the government has signed an agreement in DC uh, uh, sort of putting on hold the um, membership or or uh, this um, application for membership in multilateral mechanisms in exchange of Serbia uh, sort of keeping it on hold all the uh, uh, um, uh, withdrawing recognition uh, campaign against Kosovo. Uh, but I guess that's going to end in September and the new government is, is getting ready to, to do so. In terms of the what, what uh, the expectations were with the Ministry of Health to deliver in, on, on the vaccines, because, I mean, when Kuti came to power, he... Uh, promised 60% of people to be vaccinated by the end of the year. And knowing how how difficult this process is and how far Kosovo is from actually purchasing big amount of vaccines, I don't see that happening until the end of the year. Uh, So, And and from your perspective, that is, I know this is happening, but I think, as I see here, President Biden indicated a number of times there are many countries that he cares about, and he cares quite a bit about Kosovo. What kind of effort, because I don't see much effort was made by the Kurdish government to try to acquire tens of, he needs at least half a million, if not a million doses of vaccine. Uh, What what happened? Why isn't he uh, acquiring that from the United States? And I think the United States is in a position to provide significant number of vaccines. What is the problem there? And I don't think it's a question of money because the United States, from as I know, from what I research, find out that that is not necessarily the issue. That the United States may well be able to grant certain amount of money for the purchase uh, of the vaccine. So why is that not happening? Uh, the only, the only, um, I think, initiative taken so far is the president of Kosovo. Uh, she wrote a letter to Biden specifically asking for help in this regard. 
Uh, and then, of course, uh, she she got a reply, and uh, she actually got the commitment of of uh, uh, Biden's administration uh, to actually help Kosovo in in this regard. Uh, so, as far as I know, the Kosovo ambassador to DC is trying to facilitate this process. Nothing has been done, all in, but in, uh, nothing has been done so far in in higher level. For for instance, uh, Kuti undertaken this initiative through the U.S. Embassy or through bilateral meetings to actually ask for, for help from the United States. Um, and, and also, I think this is in general what Kurti has been uh, in a way uh, criticized a lot in Kosovo about is the fact that he's not even helping the Minister of Health in the process of uh, securing vaccines. I mean, the Minister of Health literally went to the parliament. Uh, there was a session on the vaccines and he, he wasn't being back by the Prime Minister Kurti. And this was uh, rather interesting because back in 2020, when uh, the pandemic uh, started and the measures were being taken, the same Minister of Health was always uh, backed by Kurti in every measure that uh, uh, he was uh, taking um, internally to actually uh, uh, stop the the virus from uh, spreading. So uh, this is rather interesting, but I guess there is a clear uh, uh, separation of duties within the the the, the government, and clearly uh, Kurti so far has been dealing with the, with the dialogue. Fifty percent of the government is in a way engaged in uh, how to uh, uh, navigate in, in in this new situation in relation to the dialogue, and then the other twenty five is working on the vaccines, and the rest are focusing on other issues yeah, that are pressing in Kosovo. Yeah, but he's as a prime minister. He obviously has to take the lead. I mean, he has I completely to lead. Agree. And and I don't see him leading. I mean, if he's not, you know, personal and not just delegating this to the minister of health, but actually he himself, other than the the president, uh, that he should be making this a top priority. And he obviously, uh, whereas he's assigning people to try to deal with it, but he himself did not get directly effectively on a regular basis involved in dealing with the most acute issue that is facing the country. That's one thing. You indicated that Minister of Justice actually is doing a, a fairly a good job. Uh, but to what extent, for example, again, Kurti is involved to make sure that corruption, which is being endemic uh, in, in Kosovo, to what extent is he actually focusing also on that to try to make sure that the international community, the United States, the EU in particular, uh, because this is one very important aspect of the bilateral relations and the EU is demanding, asking, corruption has to be dealt with more effectively. It's, I don't see that as happening. I know 50 days is not enough to demonstrate a real result, Definitely. but he ought to be showing to demonstrate a focus. And if he is not showing the focus, not to speak of result, and that is an, another problem. And the third one, you know, in terms of economic development, again, uh, that is a leader. In my, from uh, from my perspective, ought to be saying, "This is my what I'm going to do about the economy." Say it, but not just making a statement. Demonstrate that a certain actions are taking place, even if the results are not there. But here, what we are actually in the process of doing. So if he is not doing that, if he's not leading on all these critical fronts, 
not to speak of course Serbia. Mm -hmm. Serbia is a, is a major problem for Kosovo because many things are impeded because of the conflict with Serbia. And, and again, when he is not taking, when he wants to take his time to deal with this issue, uh, that is another aspect that is not augurs well for Kurti. So he has many battles to fight. I, I understand that. I, I mentioned uh, this, the multifrontal crisis that the country yeah, is in yeah. and the fact that, you know, even the program that we have seen so far from the government, it's not detailed. There is no action plan and there there is no specific budget attached to it. So, so far, it looks like a Christmas wish list. It has everything in there, everything that people want to see. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it doesn't really seem realistic or it just uh, doesn't seem to be specified enough to convince us that this is the plan that they are going to uh, be operating based on. Uh, so far, what we've heard is that they are uh, still working to further detail it, but uh, the expectations were, after being in power in 2020 and following the situation for one year, actually the expectations were that Kurti would uh, come to the office knowing, oh, knowing exactly, exactly, have exactly. a clear strategy yeah. on what's a priority uh, and, 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 and deal yeah. with, with uh, priorities yeah. accordingly. Now, according to Kurti, vaccination is a priority, dialogue is not a priority. But then most of the time we see him dealing with the dialogue and not dealing with vaccines, which is pressing issue because through that process, actually going back to normal depends on. So uh, our economy, our, our everything basically depends on, uh, on the ability of the government to actually provide vaccines for its citizens. Uh, and so far, I mean, in, in comparison to other regional countries, we have been uh, lagging behind. And this kind of postpones everything and, and uh, uh, further further has a detrimental impact on, on the economy. On the other hand, we have the dialogue with Serbia in which we again see a dragging feet approach. Yes, uh, I totally agree on, on the specific uh, measures that have been taken so far, for instance, with the Minister of Justice. But um, in, in that regard, um, it will take longer. I mean, uh, first of all, it's... Well, obviously, obviously, to, to weed out. Uh, he needs the support of the U.S. and the EU in this regard. And um, so far, I have seen... Uh, so much support from all ambassadors, including the U.S. ambassador here in, in Pristina. He literally, personally went in to each of the ministry uh, and and uh, uh, sort of uh, show, su showed support and political willingness to um, actually provide assistance uh, for the new government. Uh, but so far, I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen you know a, a an interaction between the government and and the city partners in this regard but we have already mentioned that it's only 50 days uh we will wait for well but i mean 50 days nevertheless can, like, can uh, assess assess its um its uh, but, but like yeah yeah i know but like you said earlier 50 days but he was in government before uh, and so we cannot dismiss the fact that he's <laughs> been in government he knows the issues let, let me let's let's uh, talk about specifically about the um Serbia, and then I want to move to another subject. Now, Serbia, obviously, the conflict with Serbia is not an easy one to resolve. That is a given. To, to, to this day, Serbia does not and does not want to recognize Kosovo's independence. Um, 
not only uh, they are having um, um, one thing, not only limited to territorial claims, but in fact, the principle that they still consider Kosovo as a province uh, of Serbia. So it's not a question of just saying, if we get this much territory, we can reconsider this or that. Now, I, you know, I'm, I'm personally involved always in conflict resolution, and I see with the facts on the ground, and I see what can change, what cannot change. One thing we know it cannot change is the fact, and it should not change, is the fact that Kosovo is recognized by over 100 different countries. Kosovo is a fact of life, it's going to have to be dealt with. And the Serbian, I don't think they are too ignorant to understand that they cannot really dismiss the fact that Kosovo is recognized by so many countries, specifically most of the countries in the EU and the United States. The question here is, it's a question of also urgency. That is, the longer he waits, the longer he waits, not make, to make a visible, uh, open effort to deal with the Serbian issue, then it's delaying, as we said earlier, the integration of process is delaying uh, the focus on internal and domestic issues being also impacted upon because of that. Uh, and he went to the EU a couple of times already in this short period of time. And what was his message? The message to him was, you've got to sit down and begin to think in terms of what can we do? And to what should we be doing in terms of dealing with, with Serbia? Because it remains the most important, most visible, the most critical obstacle uh, in terms of the integration. Now, why, from your perspective, knowing all he, that he does, and still not making... You see, I, the way I see it, that is, if he makes the effort, if he makes the effort, even if there are, and obviously Serbia will continue to resist that, at a minimum, he can dem demonstrate to the EU that I'm making considerable effort and the results are not there because Serbia is the culprit. Serbia is the problem. And in so doing, perhaps convince the EU to uh, begin, just to begin a process of integration. And that would put some pressure on Serbia to possibly change its direction. But if he's not doing that, he's not allowing the, the EU to begin that kind of process. Um, so... Why doesn't he understand uh, all the dynamics of the conflict in order to be to move forward with it? This was my question, uh, specifically asked uh, the day that his government was being established in the parliament. He had a meeting with civil society to discuss about the dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia. And my question was... Uh, for Vucic, dragging feet approach is convenient because this way he keeps the leverage. Uh, he doesn't have to deliver. He's not pressured to deliver. Uh, in, 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 according to him, then he will continue as well, feed in the narrative that Kosovo is the problem. Because if you look back, I mean, there were the tariffs, there were uh, elections in Kosovo. There was always Kosovo that it has been... Uh, according to Vucic, a uh, destructive uh, uh, party in, in the dialogue. If we continue feeding this narrative, it's just going to be in Vucic's benefit. So let's go back to the negotiation table with uh, specific counter-narratives and counter-proposals uh, in order to then show readiness to the EU, to Serbia, to our neighbors that That's we exactly already the point. 
we are ready. Let's let's talk about real issues, and then we will put pressure on Vucic, and the international community would actually, you know, be convinced that it's not Kosovo that is dragging feet is not Kosovo. Well, that's exactly the point. It's Serbia because in reality it is Serbia. I mean, if you look at how Vucic control the dynamic of the negotiations, he brings back the the issue of association of Serbian municipalities because he knows that that issue causes backlashes in, in Kosovo. And, and uh, there, of course, I mean, it's a sensitive issue here in Kosovo. So he puts that first on the agenda. Or like uh, sometimes he comes with statements such as the territorial exchange, like the non-papers we saw now. There were two non-papers that actually were uh, very problematic for the Balkans. The one suggestion suggesting territorial uh, changes and the other one, which for Kosovo was uh, quite negative in a way that, you know, basically... in in, in addition to the association, there would be autonomy for the north and a lot issues, a lot of other issues that will definitely have a detrimental impact on how Kosovo functions internally. So Kurdi so far uh, has to show that first he knows the process. I mean, I constantly hear that Kurdi does has not. Uh, received a lot of materials from the previous government because apparently there hasn't been a lot of uh, keeping track uh, process going on. But Kurti was the one who actually grew politically by uh, opposing everything that happened in the framework of the dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia. So, so he knows the dynamics. He knows the content of the agreements. He actually w- contributed to raising awareness in many issues, including the association. Uh, so uh, how can you claim you don't know about the process when you actually know a lot about the process and you have been actively involved, if not in the executive or in the negotiations? His party was in the parliament, quite proactive, so they have uh, some sort of experience in this. The second one is... It's not rocket science. We know the alternatives that have been put out there. I mean, for Kosovo, uh, there is uh, the, the, the three options that have been discussed in the past years have been like, of course, the status quo, which, of course, is not convenient for Kosovo, because in addition to the integration process that you mentioned, it's really having an impact on how Kosovo navigates internationally uh, in the region, but also beyond. And then, uh, of course, it is the Association of Serbian Municipalities, which for Kosovo has been uh, quite problematic to be implemented. And then the third one is the exchange of territories. So if you have like three options that you don't like, you should have three counter proposals to basically show to the U.S. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But the point here, this is, I think, the mistake also, other than unwillingness or even inability to act, he is also failing to change the narrative. That is, what is the narrative? And the narrative is that is he should be pointing out publicly, repeatedly, and stating, these are the pending issues. We are prepared to discuss all of these issues. That is, if he quantify the differences, the conflicting issue between the two sides, then there's going to be something to be discussed. The media will be discussing. In his contact with the EU, it will be discussed. But as long as he maintained the old narrative, Serbia is the problem, but not reduce it to, in fact, what are the actual conflicting issues mm-hmm. and begin to change the narrative, both for domestic purposes and for foreign purposes. Well, the, he is, in fact, stuck and he will remain stuck. 
So his problem is not in an, an inability to actually act to change the dynamics, but he is not changing the, the, the narrative either, which is, is the biggest problem. That is, from my perspective in terms of conflict resolution, one has to begin at a minimum with changing the narrative. That is, uh, if, if you don't change that, well, the people are saying, uh, they hear one, one thing, Serbia is a problem. So Serbia is a problem, so what can we do about it? We can do nothing about it. Exactly. He is now, in my view, failing to change that narrative, and as a result, there is going to be no progress. And this is, this is something that I don't know who is advising him. Is anyone is telling him, begin, change direction in order to change the dynamics? Uh, I mean, uh, yes, uh, we as civil society try to do so. Uh, there is lack of trust towards literally everyone who has been part of the process so far. Uh, and and uh, also the civil society. I So far, I have seen hesitation to uh, be inclusive in the process. Although uh, when you talk to them, uh, there is this perception that they are open. I mean, even towards civil society, but also towards the opposition. I mean, Kurti just invited the opposition to be part of the of the process, but we are not sure whether he invited them just to tick the box for the sake of saying that, look, you know, I, I'm trying to be inclusive here, but uh, they are not participating actively in the process and helping us in the dialogue. Uh, so far... Uh, uh, it is very unclear. We still don't know who are the people behind him. We know the the uh, uh, team, the advisors that he has, uh, but none of them is uh, really specifically working on the dialogue. He has engaged. Well, actually, that's outsourced. That's a project of the Norwegian government, but a team of experts are are supposedly helping uh, the government in this regard. And uh, the team also uh, is composed of Veton Suroi, who has been part of the uh, many negotiations processes uh, for Kosovo, is Gerim Shala. Uh, of course, uh, I mean, is a well-known name uh, uh, as well, for also a person who has extensive institutional memory when it comes to uh, the negotiations uh, that brought Kosovo's uh, independence. Uh, and then, of course, Bernard Nikai, who served in, as an ambassador in Brussels, and Leon Madazogu as an ambassador in, in Japan. I So far, I know that they also wanted to include Edita Tahiri, who was part of the technical dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia, but still don't know whether she uh, accepted the invitation. Uh, uh, so far, I see that there are some positive steps in sort of uh, uh, bringing people that actually know the process uh, together to help the new government, but um, I mean his his statements in Brussels, but also the way that things are going show a completely different uh, a completely different picture. I mean. Um, uh, canceling the meeting in Brussels in May when Borrell actually in in a way was the one confirming that there's going to be a meeting between uh, the two parties and him and, and Lychak in, in, in Brussels. It was kind of a shock uh, but of course the government claimed that they never got the invitation so it was Borrell unilaterally inviting the meeting but also confirming it uh, in, in uh, during a press conference. Uh, we are expecting to have a meeting in June, and it really depends on uh, how much Putin has changed uh, during this uh, this period of time. Because 
I mean, uh, let me be honest. He started the dialogue from priority seven and then it became priority four. And now clearly it's priority one because he has been to Brussels for so many times. Yeah, well, there's, there's he has a lot been of pressure. Dialogue for so many times. So yeah. I, I think we see a more flexible approach towards the process that he has, but it's happening gradually. And uh, it's happening, I, I guess, uh, and it's changing because he... Uh, now he's part of the process and he knows how the process actually goes because being outside for so long uh, sort of created like being in the opposition you have in in a way all the all the flexibility and all the space to, to to criticize everything but then when you become part of a process and you understand its complexities uh your your uh approach yeah. changes uh so let, uh, let, i want to look to the other other side in terms of of serbia itself yeah now, serbia obviously itself would like to become also a member of the eu and so the eu does have a certain leverage to exercise over over serbia um, I don't see um, a, a, an open, visible uh, effort being made in terms of the kind of pressure the EU can, in fact, exert on Serbia itself. No. I, I, I don't see much of that is taking place. And that is, there is, a, you know, on the part of Syria, there's definite interest in moving forward toward the integration. And the, the EU is also concerned, that is, if this process remains slow and there's little, little progress, well, the Russia, and, and obviously in, in particular the Russia, who is not interested to see any reconciliation between Kosovo and Serbia, is doing everything it can to distance Serbia from the EU. Definitely. And they have been making significant inroad in that respect. Especially during the uh, pandemic. Especially now during the pandemic. So who is appealing? Uh, who is appealing? I mean, I know efforts are being made behind the scene, but who is appealing to the EU, or the United States for that matter, to, to put also similar pressure on Serbia? That is, if you want to become part of the Western Hemisphere, I mean, then, then you too ought to make significant uh, effort in that regard. But then Serbia is, doesn't seem to be convinced that, uh, that this kind of effort necessarily is going to pay. Why do you see that happening from your perspective? Uh, geopolitically, Serbia has always been very complex for the EU. Uh, I mean, if you look at uh, how the EU functions, is that uh, the more uh, alternatives you have, uh, the uh, more the EU wants the country to be part of uh, of the family. I mean, if you look at the uh, the Serbia case, I mean, there is always close ties to Russia. I mean, Serbia even uh, refused to follow the uh, the EU uh, to align with EU approach towards Russia. And if a country aspires to become part of the EU, basically, it's foreign policy, but also like uh, other other uh, aspects are in a way aligned with the. EU and the, during the pandemic, it was even even uh, more interesting to see how the EU, uh, how, the, how Serbia uh, basically came closer to China, and and now this perception that Vucic cannot be pressured is even more strengthened because his geopolitical power is consolidated. I mean, just recently, Vucic provided vaccines to Czech Republic. 
I mean, uh, during his visit, he uh, basically offered a gift, a uh, contingent of a large number of vaccines, uh, which is, you know, interesting to see it happening because it's a Western Balkan countries. Uh, I mean, usually are those that have been receiving help that's right. You see right. the other way around. You see Serbia being willing to help an EU member state, a state which is not being helped by the EU, or like is being uh, moderately helped by the EU. So this position has sort of created the the perception that Vucic cannot be persuaded to anything. But also the fact that there is no EU enlargement going on. I mean, if you look at how... But that is, that is a big... That is, a, that is a definitely a problem. It's leverage. Is, the EU is, is losing leverage in the Balkans. I mean, uh, since 2003, from the Thessaloniki summit, we only have one country being part of the EU, which is Croatia. The rest have been uh, caught in this vicious cycle in which basically clearly uh, showcases the lack of normative power that the EU used to have, uh, the lack of political will of the member states to enlarge. I mean, if you look at the case of North Macedonia, what kind of message uh, the EU is sending to the countries that uh, the country can change the name, it has to change the constitution and still not get accession negotiations. So uh, what, uh, what what's the leverage towards Vucic or even Kosovo in this case to promise EU integration when, you know, the EU integration is not there at all anymore? Well, this is, this is, look, this is obviously true. I mean, the EU has its own problem. Definitely. Uh, I have had a discussion with The only with game them. changer um, in this uh, regard can be the US, the new Biden administration. And this is what... Yeah, but I mean, if we're talking, if we talking, however, on integration with the EU, the fact that five countries still don't recognize um, Kosovo is a problem. The fact that it's, um, any integration will require unanimity of all member states, which is not there at this point. Macron is against any enlargement until the, the EU keep its, its own house in order and make the, the necessary reform. All of this is, is obvious and is clear. But that should not, in my view, impede making incremental progress towards resolving the conflict with Serbia. For example, I, I oppose just about everything that Trump has tried to do. Uh, Trump has done whatever he tried to do, even in connection with Serbia. This whole normalization process was nothing but to serve his own interest. But nevertheless, there was at least some kind of, perhaps more artificial than real, a normalization process. What do you, is any any effort now being to begin, uh, you know, incremental steps? Mm-hmm. When we know that there's a complete resolution to the conflict between the two countries, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But in my view also, there may very well be opportunities to take incremental steps so that they can serve this, the interests of Serbia just the same. Mm-hmm as well as Kosovo's uh, interest. These incremental steps need to be strengthened. From um, from what you see, uh, what is happening in this regard, if anything, because when you have such a complex situation and there are so many different players involved, it's, as I said, it's extremely difficult to just say, well, let's aim for a complete solution. Yeah. But there's got to be initial steps that could lead to that. So what is, is there any progress made 
in terms of the normalization between the two sides? Not at all. I mean, if you look uh, at how the process has been developing since 2018, it's the contrary. I mean, uh, since the uh, ALBA forum in which, you know, basically Vucic and Tachi sat next to each other and sort of Tachi publicly uh, mentioned the uh, territorial exchange as a potential solution between the two countries, uh, there has been no significant steps towards normalization of the relations between the two parties. I mean, yes, the DC agreement was significant because if you look at the content, it brought the Israeli recognition for Kosovo, which meant a lot for a country that has been not only re uh, stopped receiving new recognitions, but has been dealing with withdrawing recognition uh, uh, from uh, uh, many countries that have been, you know, sort of uh, um, int intensifying the bilateral ties with Serbia. Uh, so, but the other elements in in uh, in the agreement basically did not positively contribute to anything. I mean, if you look at the agreement, it really serves the U.S. interests at its best. But at the time, at the time when, when yeah. Trump was at in the power, time, yes. yes, definitely, we are talking about that that period of time. But it didn't positively contribute to anything that will uh, that will bring parties together or normalize relations between Kosovo and and Serbia at all. Uh, and since 2018, our government stopped even uh, 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 assessing or monitoring the Brussels Agreement. I mean, every year there would be uh, uh, an annual progress uh, stating at what level these agreements have been implemented by the Kosovo side. And since 2018, there is no report uh, sort of indicating that we have given up that process as well. Uh, so uh, in terms of, of internal narratives, I uh, personally think that uh, we are deeply polarized societies. I mean, uh, if you look at how Vucic creates the narrative around Kosovo in Serbia and how uh, uh, Serbia is treated in our media, but also in our public debate, I mean, clearly the parties are far from even considering to have uh, I, normal circumstances or let's say um, uh, solid circumstances to even sit in the negotiating table. I mean, at, at this point, it is even hard to think that one day Vucic and Kurti will be uh, uh, sitting in Brussels and talking about the dialogue. And uh, there is also like a, another concern that we don't know how this how the situation will develop from now on how how are we going to integrate the local serbs are they going to be integrated in our internal dialogue in relation to serbia i mean clearly there is internal polarization when it comes to to that as well least as serbska's role in the process so uh it's I'm 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 very very sure when I when I say because it's it's based on on clear research that I have been doing and in depth research that I've been doing and since 2018 I can I, I can uh, say um, safely state that it has been uh, um, dialogue has not just been put on hold but also normalization looks as more distant than it did in 2011 when we started the dialogue between Kosovo and the, I you know I, I equate this um, to some extent to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that is there is a territorial dispute obviously with our neighbors that coexist you have Serbian significant community of Serbian living in Kosovo you know this is this is a, it's a factor that cannot be ignored. Uh, they are the shared borders. And that is, 
to suggest, in my view, there can be, even when there is a recognition, be complete separation between the two sides. That is not going to happen. That is, they need, in, they need like, just like the Israelis and the Palestinians, they don't have a choice but to coexist and to coexist peacefully. And eventually, when there is a, probably a solution, I, I'm not sure the territorial exchange necessarily will provide that kind of solution. Probably the contrary. That's exactly right. Whereas, you know, you can basically agree on creating a political border. It's nothing more than a political border that's separate between the two sides. will appear only on the map uh, they, they, because they need to coexist. They have every reason to exchange with terms of trade, uh, visit, you know, tourism, everything. It's very much integrated, the two countries. They have been together for so many for many decades. Yeah. So, so there's, it's impossible, actually, to separate the two communities. Under, almost under any circumstances. Now, my feeling, if I were to advise Kurti, why don't you hammer on this particular issue? That is, we are, we've been together for so many decades. We cannot actually get rid of one another. This is just a fact. We share so many things from the past and still in the present time. So let's talk in terms of uh, resolution that does not require significant changes in terms of borders, in terms of, but let's really recognize that we are a separate entities and everything else actually could be almost like uh, integrated together. Why isn't he hammering or trying to advance some kind of approach or some kind of a solution that is going to make more sense to, to all parties? In this respect, for example, the Serbian would not feel they are losing their province, they are Serbian communities and provinces and community in, in, in Kosovo because the, the, the kind of solution um, require both of them to continue to cooperate, to continue to work together, to have a free, you know, free trade agreements, a free visitation, no visa requirement, nothing, nothing like that. And, and that, that is going to open the door for much more uh, practical, in my view, there is no other practical solution because you cannot simply draw hard a, ball, a, a wall between the two sides. Why isn't he hammering on what's possible? Uh, because everything that you have mentioned, according to Kurti, but also in reality, would only be uh, uh, possible if Serbia recognizes Kosovo. Uh, no, no, I'm saying, that, you see, yeah. so, before recognition, no, before recognition, there's got to be effort that is steps yeah. steps can be taken you know certain measures can be taken that does not demand or require Serbia to recognize Kosovo but but Serbia also understand Kosovo exists they are neighbors yeah they are there's some relationship goes going on some I mean it's not like they're totally isolated from one another so why build on the current relationship that exists uh, I mean so they expanded. Because for, for the Kosovo side, is the other way around. First, recognition, and then we talk about issues. But that's the mistake I think this court is making. So, yeah, this this has been the attitude of uh, not just, you know, Kurdi, but also the previous governments. Although I do strongly believe that some of the agreements signed in Brussels, they actually confirmed, from the Serbia side, confirmed the existence of Kosovo. I mean, we have, like, the integration, uh, the integrated border boundary 
management, for instance, agreement that actually put the, the, the crossing points between Kosovo and Serbia, which then implies that there is a border. Of course, then there are agreements that are related to the freedom of movement, recognition of the telecom, the energy. So basically, gradually, Kosovo was getting some sort of independence, but also recognition in bits and pieces. There is, there is implied, there is implied recognition. Exactly. There is implied recognition. Exactly. But that's exactly what I'm saying. We Why not build further on this implied recognition? Because then, uh, you know, once the political dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia started, that's when the actual issues, basically, uh, problems between the two countries uh, were, were showcased. Uh, that's when we actually talked about, you know, recognition. And then for Serbia, that was a no-go. And, and, and so far, there has been lack of interest by Serbia, but also back then by Kosovo to actually solve the dispute because of stabilitocracy or the way that both Taci and Vucic, in a way, interacted with Brussels, the way that through the dialogue, basically, they uh, empowered themselves internally. They didn't have to deliver on the reforms per se. All they had to do is to progress in the dialogue uh, in, in, in Brussels and they would, uh, through that process in a way, hijack the EU integration uh, uh, path. And, and this has been okay. a vicious cycle. With Kurti, right, right. we sort of expect this to end, but first it doesn't depend on Kurti because he is dealing with Vucic, who is very, very politically powerful at this, at this point. And secondly, he Kurdi does not have the still doesn't have his position internally on how and and what does he want from the dialogue. Of course, you know the end point is recognition, but no steps yeah. that would lead to recognition have been defined so far. And and first there there is this issue and and the recommendation that I have personally, but also the civil society in Kosovo have been pushing for, just to have a counter-proposal for whatever that has been discussed so far, Kosovo should at least have, you know, their position uh, in relation to to the issues. And then if, if yeah, association is a problem and cannot be implemented, then come up with a, 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 another plan, and really show to the EU and to Serbia what can, you know, be done in, 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 in that regard. I mean, it was it was negotiated in Croatia. They wanted the association, now they have a national council uh, yeah. for search. So, uh, I mean, this is the, the, the problem that also the previous governments in Kosovo, but I also, you know, can see that it's uh, the same with Kurti, is that uh, they refuse to talk about issues. Like, every time association comes up, they go like, oh, that's a red line. That shouldn't be your red line. Uh, you should go and negotiate. So this is yeah, and and I know. negotiations uh, sort of, uh, strengthen your position in in that regard. Yeah, uh, but yeah you know, and and I I appreciate. I know I I don't I don't mean to to stop you in the middle. Yeah. So just one very very briefly in a minute, if you were sitting today with Kurti, uh, and you want to give him a three advice advices. What would be the three? Just tell me. One, two, three. That's it, what I want to hear. First of all, go back to the Brussels dialogue and uh, show willingness to uh, sign the deal and to to uh, uh, continue the negotiations. This way, okay. uh, it exposes That's number one. which is lack of willingness to actually do so for real. Uh, second one is have a counter proposal for everything that has been discussed so far. And three, make the process inclusive, uh, meaning that not just transparency, but also you know be open to people who have been part of the process and who can 
positively contribute to strengthening his position in relation to Serbia. That's what I wanted to hear. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I mean, we can continue this for another hour or two. Uh, But again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. And uh, hope it will be just one of several um, dialogues that you and I should have uh, in in an effort to advance the peace process or the uh, mutual recognition between Serbia and and Kosovo. There's so many other things I wanted to discuss, but we'll have to leave it for the next next round. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.